Well, you know, we're talking about uh, maintaining spiritual renewal because what this does is it helps you walk free of deception and keeps you free of things like demonization. I know that it's difficult because once somebody is deceived, I mean, I think that uh, Wilma's done a great job hammering this principle over the years. The problem with the deceived is what? They don't know they're deceived. So once you get to that place, right, it's difficult for you to to backtrack or come to a place of victory. So the only key and the, the real thing we need to focus on is not getting to a place of deception. And my point is that people who are actively staying renewed in the things of God, they're not easily deceived. Right. Now we're not going to come out here with some absolute and tell you that you're never going to have a challenge and the devil's not going to make a play for your mind, your emotions. We're in a war. Look at somebody say we're in a war. In a war, you get shot. Yeah. Amen. And there's persecution and there are challenges out there. But if you will make up your mind that you're going to be in a never-ending you know, position of spiritual renewal, you are far less likely. Amen. In other words, when that, uh, when that opportunity for deception comes to you, it's going to light up in red and flash. Amen. And you're going to see it. You're going to discern. In other words, your discernment goes way, way up when you're walking with God. And you're far less likely, of course, to be demonized. And say, are people being demonized left and right? I've never seen more mind-blinding spirit activity than I see in the body of Christ right now. And if somebody's walking, 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 and all of a sudden, just like that, you go, it's like Shazam. Who are they? Look at somebody and tell them right now, mind-blinding spirit. And we're not talking about possession here. We're talking about the demonization of somebody from the outside in, where now they're under that influence of the enemy. And they're no longer speaking on behalf of the Lord. They may think they are. You know, the Pharisees thought they were serving God and persecuting Jesus and the prophets that came before Him. And that's what these people are like. So they're walking along doing just fine, and all of a sudden, wham. Well, the key is not to think about so much like, you know, pray for people like that. But I'm challenging you, as you're walking, keep on walking. And if you'll stay in a constant state of spiritual renewal, you know, that's not going to work. When you see that mind-blinding spirit trying to come on you, no, thank you, amen. Turn to somebody and say, no way, Jose. So the first habit for spiritual renewal we talked about last week was renewing the mind and then renew it again. And then what? Do it again and do it again and do it again. Look at somebody and say, do it again. You, you constantly keep your mind renewed. And all renewing your mind means, we could talk a lot about this, and we certainly gave you a great foundation last week for this. It's just simply identifying your thoughts where they contradict God's thoughts. And what you do is you replace your thoughts with His thoughts. Now, this is tough to do in a hyper-intellectual environment where some folks will elevate their thoughts even above the Scripture. Let me give you a tip here. Anybody that supposes to raise their intellectual ability above the written Word of God is already deceived. That's right. You cannot be renewed in your mind if you think you have the right to parse and determine what is and what is not applicable to you. The Word is the Word. And say it with me, it's the highest authority. It's first place and final authority in my life. It's the first place we go to for counsel. And guess what? You can't do that when you look at it as, well, maybe I can apply this or maybe not. Maybe it's real. Maybe it's not. You know, this part is right. This part is wrong. Listen, if you're going to make it the highest authority, you have to have a conviction that the Word of God is infallible and inerrant. Amen. You say everybody believes that. The people that are believing that in this country are getting smaller and smaller and smaller, that number. You need to be one of them. Amen. Because these are the people on the victory side. Amen. I said these are the people living on the victory side. Amen. It's not that they aren't attacked. They overcome everything the enemy throws at them. 
The devil did his best, but his best isn't good enough. These are the folks that live in victory. The ones that begin to be relative with the Word of God, well, maybe that is, maybe that is not, they find themselves in all sorts of confusion. Now they're bound to what? To what their intellect can tell them, what their emotions can tell them. And we're not supposed to inform the Word of God with our intellect and our emotions. We're supposed to inform our emotions and our intellect with the Word of God. It's upside down. And as long as that's the case, that's not spiritual renewal. Amen. That's a good way to get yourself you know, in a lot of trouble, especially in the days that we're, we're living in. So the thing is, we cast down, according to what Paul said, every vain imagination, right? And every thought that what? Listen to that language. That's not my language. This isn't my, my theology. This is the Word of God, all right? Every thought that what? Exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And we know from Scripture the concept of the knowledge of God is the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? So what I have to do is when I hear something that's trying to exalt itself, no, I'm not going to receive that. I don't believe that. I'm not going to go on the war path, but it's not getting into my spirit. But when the enemy comes to you and presents you with something, right, the danger is not just in what you expose yourself to. The danger is the enemy trying to get a hold of your mind. And when he comes to you and he presents something that tries to exalt what? That thought above the knowledge of God, then you're required to cast it down and bring into captivity Right? How many thoughts? Every. every thoughts. Well, here's the kicker. How can you bring every thought into captivity to the knowledge of the Word of God when you don't know what the Word says? So America right now is becoming more and more biblically illiterate. You and I can't afford to be biblically illiterate. We've got to spend time in that Word, whether you feel like it or don't feel like it. Amen? Not because you're religious, but because you're working on something. Amen? Amen? Now, you've got a foundation, you're ready to say, no, I'm sorry, but that's not what the Word says. I don't receive that, I don't believe it, I'm going to stick with the Word of God. I don't know anybody, listen carefully, I don't know anybody in the Word of God that got into trouble holding the Word of God in the highest respect and honor. Amen. Not one. But I know a slew of people in the Word of God that made the Word relative to them and got in all kinds of trouble. And there are people today in the ministry, out of the ministry, in churches all over America that are doing the same thing. And guess what? Trouble is finding them big time. Amen? You'll overcome every single time when you have a high view of Scripture. You know what that Scripture is. And then you actively work to have your mind renewed. And you can't do this. I mean, you're not going to be able to draw off of 15 years ago your Bible study. No. It needs to be present. Amen? Say it with me, it needs to be present. Remember that the, 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 the remembrance of a steak and potato never nourished anybody. Nope. How many of y'all can't remember what a steak tastes like? How many of y'all can remember what a baked potato, loaded potato, amen? amen. Yeah, amen, loaded. How about, how about a loaded sweet potato? Oh, yeah. oh some of y'all are hungry tonight. <laughs> some of y'all are going to slip out and get some s'mores. I can see it on your face. I'm done, been there. <laughs> But you can remember it, but is it actually nourishing your body? No. And just vague remembrance of a scripture is not actually nourishing, you know, your spirit. And so the important thing to, to remember is it's not about uh, just remembering things. That's important to remember scriptures, but you feast on them by your, what you put in your eyes, what you put in your ears, what you're saying out of your mouth. Um, there is a method to our madness. That's why we say every single gate into your spirit needs to be activated. Say it with my mouth gate. My mouth gate. That's what I say. That's what I say. My, ear gate. my ear gate. 
That's what I hear. Sounds. Amen. And what else? Your eye gate, what you actually... So when I'm talking about these scriptures, what should you do? Trust the pastor that he's reading the word. No. If you're just listening to what I'm saying, but you don't have the Bible, the device out yourself, you shut down one gate. Let me help you out here. You need every gate. You need every gate activated. Well, you have them in your hands. You have devices. You have the Bible. You need to be involved in that. So while I'm reading scriptures, and we'll get into the second habit in just a moment, there you are. You're, you're feasting with your ears. You're hearing the word preached. Amen. You're confessing things along with the pastor. We don't make you confess things to aggravate you. It's one of your gates. That's right. It's a powerful gate. Yes. From the fruit of a man's lips, he's filled with good things. It comes out of your mouth, slips back into your spirit. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's the never-ending process of life, receiving life and giving life. So what you want to do is you want to hear with the ear gate. You want to, you want to you know, speak with the mouth gate. And you want to actually see you know, with that eye gate. And so with that said, say it with me. It's my responsibility, my responsibility. To, stay to stay renewed. In other words, you put yourself in a position for the means of grace, the means of renewal. To impact your life, and it starts with with renewing the mind. And I think that's always a good place to start because if you don't if you don't respect the word, then there's no reason for me to continue. I didn't bring the New York Times with me or Time Magazine or Reader's Digest. I didn't bring somebody's theology book out here. I'm coming with you for you is is the Word of God. It's what did God say? So if our minds aren't in a place of high honor for Scripture, then biblical preachers and biblicists can't help you. You are stuck with what Ravenhill called dead men's brains. Amen. So number two, one is renewing, of course, re, uh, renewing the mind. Two is refreshing the heart. Say that with me, refreshing the heart. Say it again, refreshing. Say it boldly, refreshing the heart. You need your heart refreshed every single day. Sometimes, depending on what's going on, you need it refreshed multiple times. In the given day. And so when I say refreshing your heart, do it and do it again. And then do it again. And then do it again. And then do it again. Because when your heart is refreshed, you're in a place of, you know, a flexibility before the Lord and an honor for the Lord and able to hear Him and receive from Him. It's a, it's a way of walking in life and life more abundantly. So let's start over in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And let's talk about how we can actually do this tonight. Everybody pray this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, refresh my heart, even tonight. Say, refresh my heart, even tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, repent then. That's a great place to start tonight. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now notice that uh, refreshing is, is for the child of God. Refreshing is for the one with an ongoing, sensitive, pliable, repentant heart. He may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago. 
through the holy prophets. And, and Hamio's people, their fresh heart, are the ones that are actually looking for him. You know, a lot of people used to be, uh, you know, of the mind that the Lord could, could come back literally at any moment. I mean, no, that's exactly what the apostles thought. They were looking for him to come back in 2,000 years. But somewhere along the line, that's exactly what you and I have done is we've got, well, we push it off, push it off. Well, you know, people keep saying he's coming. Um, let me say it to you this way. When you are of that mindset in your mind and mentally, you, you push it off and, well, he's coming one day, but it's no big deal, won't be today. You have just said something very revealing about the condition of your heart. When your eschatology, your thinking of end times and theology of end times has Jesus out there in the by and by, and you're not expectant as the apostle has taught us to be, look at somebody and tell them, expect his coming any time now. You're in need of refreshing. I know this didn't say you're a pagan going to hell. I'm just saying you need refreshing. One of the markers of a refreshed heart, according to the scripture, is that you look for, you long for, you're expecting him to come. And don't we need him to come back? I mean, to be honest with you, it doesn't make a difference who we elect as, as president of this nation. We're way beyond the ability of a man to fix this nation. Oh, that's right. Way, way beyond that. There is a God Amen. who can be reinserted upon the throne of the hearts of the American people, yes. who can do great things. Yes. Now, to that extent, you can have national leaders who can point people back to the Lord, and that's the key. And it's happened, you know, in our lifetime. It's happened in places like Nigeria and Uganda. It's happening in right now. Just a few months ago, the president of Brazil got born again spirit-filled. Right there in one of the meetings where thousands of people gathered. God's no respecter of persons. He's raising up people in the various states all over America to, to, to take this mess. And they're not, being, they're not apologetic and they're not being sheepish about it. They're being bold about it. So, you know... If you're not looking for his return, it's just it's a it's a refreshing the heart issue. How many know that having a lousy attitude is a refreshing the heart issue? I'll take that as an amen. When your attitude stinks, guess what? Your heart needs refreshing. Now you can sit back and say, no, nah, I'm this way because of what they did, what they said, how they handled this, you know, what I went through. No, just, just stop all the nonsense. If your attitude is lousy, you have to own that. Yes. And it's a refreshing the heart issue. When you are negative and critical and belligerent and bellyaching, it's not what God's doing or not doing. It's not what other people are doing to you. You put yourself in a position to respond in a way that indicates the real issue, the real culprit is a lack of a refreshed heart. Anybody can do this. So anybody can have a refreshed heart yep. any day of the week. But if you externalize, right, your responses to somebody else's responsibility, you're never going to walk in victory. People are going to do what they're going to do. That's all practice that. Okay, people are going to do what they're going to do. Your attitude to it, though, is your choice. That's it. Amen. And a refreshed heart is going to maintain a good attitude even when they're you know, exposed to all kinds of things. Amen. You know, you're dealing with people that aren't born again. You're dealing with people that are born again, but are better babies in the Lord. You're dealing with people who are born again, but they're more religious and legalistic. You're dealing with people who don't have a clue and opposing the people of God. They think they're doing service to God. You're going to deal with all kinds of things. 
But you can handle all that with one important, you know, revelation in your heart tonight. You get to choose how you respond to it. Now, you won't respond correctly unless your heart stays renewed. Amen. Now, how many can tell when you're starting to get sour? How many can tell the people you live with are starting to get sour? And they're little indicators. You know, with some people, it's negative talk. With some people, you know, they're walking around moping around and all depressive and all that kind of thing. And other people, you know, they get angry and they lash out, whatever the case may be. Some people just withdraw. Some of y'all are withdrawers tonight. And your uh, refusal to engage life and others, it's an indicator that there's a refreshing of the heart issue. So renewing the mind is, is very, very important, but refreshing the heart is, is critical, you know, as well. Time is a refreshing. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. I love that scripture. I'm looking for more and more of that. Yeah. Here's the good news. God never intended to be a one-time refreshing for you. Yeah. Well, you got your refreshing. Don't ask me anymore. You're all filled up. <laughs> That's not what the Bible teaches. The recipe for refreshing the heart, repent, turning to God, stay repentant, stay turning to God, getting your sin wiped out by His forgiveness along with the consciousness of that sin, then times of refreshing come, and an indicator that refreshing is there is that your hope and expectation for the Lord is now there. It becomes a lifestyle. And again, when you're excited for Him and the notion of Him coming back, and it's not because you're all religious and trying to make a point about you know your particular view of eschatology, you in your heart you long for His return. Even so, come what? Lord Jesus, you know something's going on right inside of your heart. The Holy Spirit helps us maintain life, perspective, and reality. Say it, life, life. Perspective, perspective, and reality. reality. I'm going over to John 4. Why don't you turn to John? Let's spend a little time there. In John 4, 13, he's speaking to the woman at the well. I'm glad that Jesus is a compassionate Savior. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, when this water comes into them, uh, it's not only sustaining them, it, it in fact can sustain other people. It's supernatural. Turn to somebody and say, It's supernatural. That's what I'm going to say to you tonight. You and I have access to supernatural forces to keep us refreshed. There are supernatural forces out there trying to take you out. So you for sure want to make sure you're engaging with what can give you life and keep you engaged. John chapter 7, Jesus is teaching here on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Very, very powerful scripture. Anybody uh, ask you questions about that experience? You want to turn them to scriptures like John chapter 7, Acts chapter 1. As well, but in John 7, Jesus says in verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Now, first of all, a couple of things are unusual about this. Uh, often the, the teacher would, would sit and, and speak conversationally. Say this with me. He would sit and speak conversationally. Jesus is standing and what? Preaching. Kerygma. This is extremely important for every believer to get a hold of. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. There's a reason why Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only one with a cup. 
Come to me and drink, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said. For there's the first part there. You've got to believe. You've got to be born again. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we can see that uh, that lifestyle of refreshing is consistent with you receiving the Holy Ghost. How many you thank God for the Holy Ghost? Amen. You say, I'm not baptized in the Holy Ghost? Well, ask Him to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's as simple as you asking Jesus to come into your heart, giving your life to Him. It's the same thing here. Salvation is a gift, so is the Holy Spirit. You understand this? So this gives you an inkling as to how somebody is refreshed. And the key here is, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. We have to realize that uh, we have to respond. And so folks will ask me from time to time, and if you don't have a, a good understanding, make sure you're here at 930 on Sunday mornings to understand the things of the Spirit of God, because we've never needed Him more. Amen. I just chuckle when I hear people talk about these things that passed away and the ministry of the Spirit's not relevant for today. Are you kidding me? The craziness of this world, we need Him more than ever. Amen. In other words... God the Father sent Jesus, amen. Jesus ascended back on high and Jesus sent the Holy Ghost. I was like saying, God, we don't need you. How dumb is that? The Holy Spirit is not some, you know, outward personality in the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is God. Yes, it is. <laughs> and He's active. Aren't you glad He's active today? Yes. So this tells you how does a believer, you know, get refreshed and how does a believer stay refreshed? There is no refreshing outside of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There is none. So you can live in your brain and your theology, you know, and your intellect all you want to, but refreshing is going to come from what you're doing with the Spirit of God day by day. And the truth is, we don't need to go a day without a touch of refreshing in our lives. And we really don't have to. What Jesus spoke of here was never designed to be one and done. Are you here today? So the question is, if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, how do I continue to be refreshed? Now write this down if you don't understand this. It's, it's, it's one baptism, but many refillings. Say that with me. One baptism, multiple refilling. refilling. You know, how often can I have it? How often do you need it? Uh, how often do you drink something? Do you need to have a body that's hydrated? Yes. How much more does your spirit need to be hydrated yes. with the presence of the Holy Ghost? Right. Need Him every day. So I'm going to read this to you and talk about this. Uh, these principles that help you stay refreshed every single day. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. Ephesians 5, 18-19. When you're there, say, I'm there. Put your little eyes on it. Amen. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make melody from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 
Mark this in your Bible. Make a note in, in your device, whatever it is, write in your notebook. This is the recipe for staying refreshed in your heart. Anybody can do this with just a little bit of revelation and a commitment to discipline in this area. I want to read this to you from uh, the way in the translation. Every once in a while, KCM will make this available. Uh, Gloria actually uh, secured the rights to republish this. This is the New Testament in modern speech, the Weymouth New Testament. And sometimes they'll just give it away. And if you ever get a chance to get a hold of this, do so because it was out of print for decades. But this is the way that, uh, that Weymouth rendered this verse. And listen carefully. Do not indulge in much wine, a thing in which uh, excess is so easy, but drink deeply of God's Spirit. Say that with me. Drink deeply of God's Spirit. In other words, he's saying, don't drink this, but what? Drink this. And you'll often hear us when we're talking about leading somebody into the baptism, we'll tell them, come and drink. 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 Brother Olsen used to tell this story about the, the bottle that fell into the ocean. And uh, a bottle fell in the ocean, and he had a cork in him, and he said, you know, I'm in the ocean, I'm in the ocean, I'm in the ocean. He was so happy, I'm in the ocean. Then the cork fell out, and the water began to rush into the bottle. And he began to say, the ocean's in me, the ocean's in me, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and once the ocean gets in you, it manifests in, yes. amen, strange sounds, yeah. spiritual language, amen. Yes. But I like what, the way it puts it here because that's really what it's saying. This kind of drinking will do nothing for you. On the other hand, this kind of drinking will do everything. For you. Now, I want to just make it plain here that you are, are taught to be continually engaged in renewal by what you do with the Holy Spirit. Let me say this again. Do not get drunk on wine, but, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Rick Renner's translation of this is, is thus, you are to be continually speaking songs of praise, hymns, sacred compositions designed to give glory to God, and spiritual songs which include singing in the Spirit or singing in tongues, along with heartfelt expressions and songs that are plucked from the strings of your heart. Now, other mind or body altering substances and practices do not lead to the refreshing. Are you here? In fact, they do the opposite. And listen to me carefully, and you go before the Lord with this, because I'm not interested in a big long list of do's and don'ts for you. I'm, I'm interested in getting you so close to the Holy Ghost that you'll listen and hear what He tells you to do and obey it. I neither have the credentials or the time to be your Holy Ghost. Or interest. I need to be what? Developing my ability to hear and respond. And I'm telling you that the body of Christ right now is suffering from an inability to be pricked by the Holy Ghost. We're going to save that conversation for Sunday morning when we talk about the Holy Ghost as a sanctifier. Amen. And then our role in sanctification in terms of our response to the agents that He actually has given us. But I want to focus tonight specifically on this concept. You can... 
You can fill your mind, you fill your heart, fill your time. You can drink things, you can smoke things, you can take things. But by doing that, you are not refreshing the heart and you never will. You will never medicate yourself to spiritual refreshing. No. Ever. And our land is filled with people that are doing this. Yeah. Amen. What you have to ask yourself is, what, what do I really need? What you really need are times of refreshing from the Lord. And you need that every single day of your life. Now, drinking other things, smoking other things, taking other things, ingesting other things, both in terms of literal, physical things and substances in your body, whatever it is, it actually has the opposite effect. It drains you of refreshing. Listen carefully. These things steal your strength, they steal your devotion, they take away your hunger, and they lead to compromise and evil behavior. Now, I don't know about you, but I, at a place I want to be refreshed, yes. not defreshed. Amen. Say it, I want to be refreshed, I want to be refreshed. Not, defreshed. not defreshed. And you know, this is different for different people. This, this one example Paul gives about wine drinking is just an example of things you could be doing that are actually causing the opposite effect in your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, you say, oh, Pastor, uh, why don't you drink? Well, <laughs> well, one, they would throw me out of the assemblies of God, for, for starters. Um, but that's not my motivation. I received revelation that I was never going to walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God and the anointing by imbibing. That came to me by revelation. Give you another example. When I was baptized as an infant and then became a Christian right before I graduated high school, got baptized in the Holy Ghost that night. It was two years later I got baptized in water on April 22nd, Easter Sunday at night, in very cold water in Kentucky Lake. Not a single person, listen to me, not a single person. Say that with me, not a single person. And I'm not saying they, somebody in my life didn't have a right to speak into my life. I'm just saying that's not how this went down. Not a single human being said, get baptized. The Holy Ghost said, you believe as an adult. Your infant baptism is not consistent with Scripture. And you just kept gently doing what? Go get baptized. Go get baptized. Go get baptized. And you know, uh, the water was like 52 degrees. So I never shot out of water so fast in my life. And I spent a lot of my time in various degrees and temperatures of water growing up as a swimmer. But I shot out of that water, but I'll never forget the peace that I had when I stepped back on the dry ground. I had done what the Holy Ghost told me to do. And I'm telling you that whatever he's, he, he prompts you to do, if you do it, there's peace. And whatever he prompts you to stop doing, there's peace. And you need to value that peace more than what he told you to stop doing. And I'm preaching better than you are staring at me right now. That peace should be more valuable to you than what you think whatever it is you're doing is doing for you. Because it's not really doing anything but the opposite. It's defreshing. Every day you're doing things that are refreshing you or defreshing you. And I'm telling you right now, the body of Christ can't afford to lose any more people to this. Look at your neighbor and say, get refreshed every day, not defreshed. 
You say it's not, well, I'm living in this, you know, little vacuum, you know, where I'm just on a plateau. There is no plateau in spirituality. You're either growing or you're growing down. You're either developing or what? You're regressing. Amen. And because this thing is, is you know, relative to what the Holy Ghost knows about you, and how many you know he knows you? Amen. Amen. He knows you. And some people, it's not what they put down their throat. For some people, it's what comes out of their throat. That's it. Moving right along. Amen. What did Jesus say about that? It's not what goes in the man that defiles him, but what? Well, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't go out with girls that do. But you got a potty mouth. You're a perfect illustration of what Jesus was talking about. Because the Pharisees, guess what? They were sparkling examples of legalistic righteousness compared to the world they lived in. Be careful when you go overboard in doubting Pharisees because they lived at a level that most people never arrived at. And yet they're full of what? Dead men's bones. Why itself? Why? Because something was coming out of them that was defiling them. Amen? Look at somebody and tell them, be refreshed, not defreshed. So, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what happened? They spoke in tongues. Now watch this. Go over to Acts. Make sure we're all on the same page here. In verse 1, they all came together on the day of Pentecost. They experienced the sound. In verse 2, like the blowing of a violent wind coming from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They all, this isn't important that they had a little bee, you know, flick my beak over their head. The important thing is they all received from the same spirit. That's the point. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And, uh, well, that should be it, right? But how many know between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, that's not a lot of space? How many would agree with that? It's not a lot of time that goes by, is it? Amen? So go on over to Acts chapter uh, 4. When you're there, say, I'm there. Pastor, how could it possibly leak out so fast? Well, that's not really the point, is it? No. Are you in Acts chapter 4? Yes. In uh, response to early persecution, verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Did these things move them? No. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And they prayed. The place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were what? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What does this tell you? It tells you that Acts 2 was not one for all. It tells you that there is one baptism for each believer, but there are many, many Refillings. And here's the truth of the matter. 
and you need to get this deep in your spirit. If you want to be refilled every day, you can be. Yes. Yes. Let me try that one more time. If you want to be, you can be refilled every single day of your life. You do not need an apostle to come back and lay hands on you. You don't need the pastor to counsel with you. The counselor is available every single day for you. And you should be. I don't know what the frequency is. You know, it's kind of like communion. The Bible doesn't tell us, here, do it this way, and this is when you're supposed to have the frequency. We're supposed to be led of the Holy Ghost. But when we do, we're supposed to do it a certain way, aren't we, church? We're supposed to walk in honor. And uh, communion Sunday, of course, will be this first Sunday of the month coming up on uh, this Sunday. But similarly, we're not told what the frequency is. But the bottom line is, you can be what? Refilled. You can be refreshed every single day of your life. Yeah, sometimes we forget that reality and just go about our business trying to do things in the flesh and the natural and wonder why we're defeated, wonder why we're wore out, wonder why we're confused about things in life, wonder why we're having such a hard time when He is there all the time. Say to somebody, times of refreshing. That can be every day. Amen. There are certain things you do every day. How many of y'all get up and uh, make some coffee or tea? Raise your hand. You need some caffeine in you? You know, you need the Holy Ghost more than you need that caffeine. Yes. <laughs> Amen. You have a routine. What would happen to the modern Pentecostal church if every day every person in the church across the world got up and part of their routine was to be refilled? And as you wouldn't walk out of your house in your underwear... You wouldn't walk out of your house without what? Well, I'm doing okay with my five-year-old experience. No, you're not. It needs to be what? Current and fresh. You don't renew your mind once every year. And you can have that refreshing every single day. The question is how? Well, the key is right here in this particular scripture. Hallelujah. Or I say good amen. It starts with corporate psalms. To sing to the accompaniment of a stringed instrument, which is interesting because over time the, the church has become full circle. David used to write songs and sing to a stringed instrument, and today you have guitars that have been what? Resurfaced in the modern worship of the Church of Jesus Christ. All that is, is to sing with the accompaniment of a, of a stringed instrument. So when somebody tells you that, or implies to you or tries to model for you that instruments should not be involved in God's worship. First point them to Psalm 150. Amen. And then they'll say, well, we don't believe in the Old Testament. Well, I'm sorry for you, but the principles are still valid for us today. Right. They're there as examples for you and for me and principles to follow. But watch this. Ephesians is emphatic. If you translated that the way it was supposed to be translated, it would simply say, singing songs to the accompaniment of a stringed instrument. Um, Amen. And I, I hate to break it to some folks, but there's going to be instruments in heaven. Praise the Lord. Woo Loud. Yeah, buddy. The good news is you can never lose your hearing. <laughs> no matter how loud it gets. I'm talking about Josiah Brand loud in heaven. That's what I'm talking about now. <laughs> some of you go, what's that? Well, just go to his webpage. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, loud. Okay, joyful noise. noise. Amen. 
So what should you be doing when you come together as a, as a church? Singing. You should actually be participating. Now, watch this. Um, you know, to the American who thinks I can go to church every three or four weeks and be just fine. The truth of the matter is, do you need a refreshing every three or four weeks or do you need a refreshing every, every single day? And why would you want to come to church and not be refreshed? If you're coming here with faith and understanding your heart about this, the next time you start singing together psalms, amen, mm-hmm. accompanied by the wonderful job that all of our people in our worship arts do, you're going to be tapping into a refreshing. That's it. You could just be singing those songs, and all of a sudden and you, what's happening is God is refilling you, and you're not even aware of it. That's it. Amen. As you are singing. Yes. Yes. I was... Um, college student. I lived in the Oak Alpha building, and that's where they put that brand new uh, boutique uh, Italian restaurant in. Uh, we all lived on the, on the second floor over there on 15th Street. And uh, my, my bedroom was next to the bathroom and shower area, and every day that Mark Randall got up, he would sing praises to the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, to say that he sounds like a frog <laughs> is an understatement. But he didn't care. He wasn't singing for me. I said he wasn't singing for me, but what an example it was. That's exactly right. Are you here today? And he would sing. Now, I've often said, and I believe this, that somehow between heaven and earth, there's this device that all the people that can't sing on key goes through. By the time it gets to God's ear, it's beautiful. That's right. (laughs) You want to know why it's beautiful? Because every time you sing a praise song to God, it's a song of faith. I believe in you. My faith and confidence is in you, you don't sing songs of praise unless you actually believe in the one you're singing about in two. That's so the, right. what it sounds like doesn't matter. That's right. Amen? Exactly. It doesn't, if it, what it sounds like doesn't matter if you're here. It does matter if you're up there. I just want to point that out. <laughs> Some of us should stay in our own lane. Amen. We don't need anybody saying, by faith, I, I will win an American Idol. No, we're not into that. <laughs> Amen? Say it, Psalms. Psalms. Talking about choruses, songs of praise, and then there are hymns. And most of us understand from our upbringing what a hymn is, but a hymn is a sacred song and composition that emphasizes the greatness of God and for which gives Him glory. Um, If you understand this, you do appreciate some of the things that have been written in your your heritage. And now a very popular thing to do from Bethel and other sources is to integrate those same songs in a slightly you know, different arrangement. Because the truths contained in those hymns are what? They're declarations of the greatness of God that give Him glory. They're, they're completely focused on Him. A mighty fortress is our God. Does that make sense? Um, and so when you, you see those roll through, and even if you're not familiar with what they're called, they could even be called something different, like we sang Amazing Grace Sunday, and then it was retooled with an up, you know, a challenging uh, you know, new flavor. It's the same concept, and what should you do? Engage that truth. Yes. And as you do, you're being refreshed. That's it. Amen. Um, and along that line, you know, your style may not be Bethel. Your style may not be Hillsong. Your style you know, may be Barb's. Which is what? Gospel. Southern gospel. Gospel it is. And it's Kelly. And I love it when Kelly puts that Southern gospel on. I love it. <laughs> but what does it do for her? Amen. Um, 
I gravitated very early in my Christian walk, you know, to, to people that were doing contemporary worship. When I was in college, it was, you know, Maranatha. And, and then it went to, uh, you know, to Hosanna. They used to put these tapes out every single month. And, and churches all over America would begin to use what they were doing. Uh, but it started years and years ago. Does anybody know where contemporary worship actually was birthed in this country? Jesus Revolution. Jesus Revolution. It all started out there with a band at Chuck Smith's church. And to this day, they still do the very same thing. Like on Friday nights, they'll have somebody in there and play, and they'll preach the Word of God. And that's not just copied by churches like ours. You can hardly find a church today that's not integrating some measure of what started. Don't tell them all it was a Pentecostal revival. <laughs> they might stop using the music and everything. <laughs> Don't mention the Hillsong and Bethel, amen, and Hosanna were all spirit-filled. Uh, there's, that's not, you know, I mean, hard to understand, is it? Does that make sense? Hymns. Uh, you may have a hymnal at home. I have a hymnal and a, a liturgy that I was given as a confirmed Lutheran, and the truth that's there is, is still relevant. Uh, every once in a while, I'll just those songs will come up, and I'll, I'll sing them in my heart, and I'll sing them to myself, and then it's, it's part of what my heritage is. Um, but, you know, it's not, you know, singing off the ball, bad, 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 you know, or hymnal, bad, 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 bad. No, you want to make it, you know, take advantage of everything that's going to cause you to be refreshed. Say it with me, psalms and hymns. Say it, psalms and hymns. Next are spiritual songs. This shouldn't be a surprise to anyone here. But a spiritual song is a song that you sing in the Spirit. Isn't that complicated? Well, I don't know how to sing in tongues. Well, first you have to speak in tongues. That helps. But anybody can sing in tongues, amen. It has nothing to do with the Spirit coming upon you. It has nothing to do with edification of the body or the prophetic. It has to do with your devotional life and walking with God. And just like you can sing in English, you can sing in the Spirit. And uh, some people were taught, or it was implied to them, oh, only special people did this. And Paul said, I will what? Pray in the understanding, I will pray in the Spirit, I will sing. sing with the understanding, and I will sing. sing. That's our example. That's our model right there. And it shouldn't surprise you to know that when you begin to do this, and even if they're singing in English, you can quietly sing what? Songs of praise to yourself in a mixed environment where they're believers and unbelievers. In a believer's meeting, in a prayer meeting, sing and in the Spirit. Boldly, just, just let it rip. But the point is, when you do that, you are setting yourself up for refreshing. That's right. Yeah. This is not some parenthetical statement. Oh, oh, don't go go drink with wine, but instead, you know, do this. A uh, little, little emphasis on this. No, big emphasis on this. Don't drink that what? Drink this. And keep drinking and keep drinking and keep drinking until you're drunk in the Holy Ghost. There's this guy at uh, the River of God Church where Tammy had been a pastor, and he was uh, real antagonistic and making fun of everybody and, you know, sit out in the car and wouldn't come into services. And, and one night he decided to come into a service, and how many you know the Holy Ghost does know how to get to us and how to minister to us? Um, well, he came into that service, and he, he got blasted. He got blasted. He'd been making fun of his wife. Make, I'm telling you, be careful making fun of spirit-filled churches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll become the butt of the joke. Yeah. 
But he, he laughed, make fun of them, and you're a bunch of nuts, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, that night, uh, he cracked open that heart just enough to get a touch of God, except he got more than a touch. Wow. He literally couldn't walk out of the church building. <laughs> He's crawling out of the church to the car. And he says to his wife, help me. And she goes, you did this to yourself. You get in the car by yourself. <laughs> she drove home. They lived, I think it was 20, 30 minutes away. He was still drunk in the Holy Ghost. And he, she said, help, you know, he said, help me get into the house. No, <laughs> get yourself into the house. Um, you may say, is that really real? Yeah, there's fake and then there's real. There's stupid and there's genuine. That's it. And it is real. Yes, and that's what some of y'all could use occasionally. Yes. Just to be laid out. Amen. It is real. Yes. They came to arrest Jesus and he said, I am he. You know what happened? <laughs> Just by saying, I am he. Amen. And what happens is when you're, when you're engaging what he gave you, you're singing in the Spirit, you're praying in the Holy Ghost, and both of these should be done. And I'm telling you, Jude tells us, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. How many of you want to not just be filled with the Spirit, but stay filled with the Spirit? Yes. Be being filled with the Spirit. Refreshing, daily refreshing. A big factor is going to be you singing songs, you singing hymns, you singing in the Holy Ghost, you speaking in tongues without anybody else around. And you stay filled. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, how long will it last? That's not the point. The point is, how refreshed do you want to walk? Yeah. It's all about your personal thing. It goes back to John 7 and John 4. How thirsty are you? Yeah. Look at somebody say, stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty, my friends. That's the key. Yes. Amen. Yes. So important to get a hold of that. Say it, Psalms. Hymns, spiritual songs. Individual singing means it is vocal and expressive. Um, which means sound comes out. Sing something for me. Did y'all hear that? When your praise in the worship service is silent, that's not what praise is. Say it with me, it's vocal Adoration, whether you're speaking praises or you're singing them, sound must come out. You know, uh, one of the distinct characteristics of, of people who looked at Pentecostals as strange, it's not just, you know, the, the running around the room or, or jumping the pews, all that's, you know, a lot of that stuff is flesh, there's no question about it, but a lot of this stuff is people on the inspiration of the Holy Ghost would manifest in various ways. But regardless of that, the spectrum of experiences that might be there in terms of your relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, everybody will say Pentecostal churches tend to be louder mm -hmm. oh, yeah. than their counterparts. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. And how does it get loud? The people there are actually vocal. And today it's been very common to, you know, make it be more like a concert where they are loud and you are silent. One of the most blessed things you can do in a church is find the balance between the sound on the platform and the sound in the auditorium. When you can hear the praises of God going up by the people, it is quite faith building. And there's a balance there. 
And the mentality of those leading us have to be, let's go into a place of worship with God, not perform for the people. There are millions of performance platforms, amen, but the church is not a platform for performance. It is a platform for leading people into what? Worship. What I'm trying to say to you is every single Sunday, every single Wednesday night, you can be refilled with the Holy Ghost every single time. But not if you're sitting back and not engaging things. Well, I don't like that song. Well, maybe that song doesn't like you. That's old. That's new. I don't understand this. If it's glorifying God, jump in there. Fake it till you make it. I know the words. <laughs> Just sing. Make the words up if you have to. Sing the same word over and over again. Amen. <laughs> Yes, amen. Say it, spiritual songs. Individual singing. When you do this, it, it certainly edifies you, but remember this, that we encourage each other in the Lord. It edifies you know, other people as well. Uh, can't explain it, but some of the most powerful times that I've ever experienced in or out of this church have been when people raise their voices. So come in prepared to do that. Personally, privately, daily do that. But when you come in, raise your voice. How many of y'all know how to raise your voice? Yeah. Anybody ever raise their voice to you? Yes. Point taken. We know how to raise our voices. Yes, amen. Make a melody in your heart. Individual expressions of praise that come from the heart throughout the day. Um, how many know we can, you can tell when there's a melody in your heart? Amen? Anybody here, singers, you just sing all throughout the day? You're humming to yourself, just singing, yeah, praise the Lord. Where's that coming from? That's coming from a refreshed heart. And the way you stay refreshed is continue to do that. Well, other people don't like that. Tough. If you're in a working environment, it's secular, they don't care about cussing in front of you telling stories and getting all kinds of garbage out there in the atmosphere. Why should you apologize for what? Singing. Singing and making a melody in your heart. Amen. Don't intentionally aggravate somebody. Don't get on the PA system. Don't put your phone on the intercom and page everybody. <laughs> but there's something about you walking around and, and, I mean, think about your own life. Is that what you used to be like? And somewhere along the way you've lost your song? But guess what? God will have a new song for you. Yes. Just ask Him for it. Paul gives you right here, not the mechanism, not the way that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's clear from Scripture how that happens. He is telling you how to stay filled. Yes. Say it with me, refreshed. Yes. Refreshed in my heart. Yes. And what's the result? Oh. Those expressions of love and devotion and praise and worship attract the manifest presence of God. Listen carefully. How many of y'all believe that God is all-powerful? Raise your hand if you believe He's all-knowing. Yes. Raise your hand if you believe He's everywhere present. Yes. That theological truth is not the same thing as the manifest presence, the uncovering of His presence. And when, he, when you do this, you can have it in your prayer time. You can have it you know, in your home. You can have it in your church. We're not talking about a theological truth. that He is everywhere. We understand that mentally. But I'm talking about when He actually shows up and manifests. 
And when he manifests his presence, he always comes packing with power and his goodness. Does that make sense? That's why we always have to have that going on. And that's why when you have that, you can actually sow seed in the ground of people's hearts and it can be fruitful versus feeling like it's bouncing off people. So I don't know what that's like. Well, anybody's ever taught the word, know what that's like. You say, what's the difference? The difference is that people are actually engaging. They are preparing and staying prepared in their hearts and they're wanting the manifest presence of God. Raise your hand if the manifest presence of God is important to you. This is what happens when you do this. You're going to be refreshed by that manifestation. You praise. He shows up. You get refreshed. It's complicated. Say it with me. I praise. He shows up. I get refreshed. Say it one more time. I praise. He shows up. I get refreshed. Sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? But notice it requires that you do what? You praise. When you get into his presence, his manifest presence, you also get his goodness and his power. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were arrested for doing what? That's preaching the gospel of grace. And there they are in chains, in jail, and what do they begin to do? And they said to themselves, we'll praise God and they'll cause the doors to open. Is that what they were thinking? No. Their circumstances did not dictate their prayers, their praise life. And a lot of people lose the refreshing because they only praise when everything is spot on and everything is great in their lives. That is a mistake. God's presence, Rick Ritter said, was magnetically drawn to the sacrifice of praise in this story. Say it with me, magnetically, just drawn. In other words, the presence of God is attracted to praise. Not complaining. Not belly aching, but attracted to praise. Regardless of feelings, events, or circumstances. Come on, say it boldly. I'm going to praise regardless of feelings, events, or circumstances. If feelings and events and everything, my circumstances is great, then I will praise. It has nothing to do with it. And notice that when they praise, what happened? The manifest presence of God showed up. Did the power show up? Did the power show up? Yeah. Did the goodness show up? Yes. What's the first thing the jailer wants to do when he sees all those jails doors opening up? He wants to kill himself. The apostles say, no, don't do that. What happens to that man is the goodness of God manifests and he gets saved. What's striking to me is they're in no hurry to leave the jail. There's nothing holding them there. That man gets saved, his whole household, he gets baptized. A marvelous story because what? Praise kept them in a proper mindset. The goal is not escape the door God opened up, amen, but minister in the door that God opened up. And his presence and his power and his goodness were there. Why? Because they praised. I'm telling you, I'm not sure that I'm ready for that and I don't know that you are either. Yes, let's all go to jail and see if we're moved by our events and feelings and circumstances. And see if we can praise. Knowing that you didn't do anything to deserve to be there. Would we complain, bellyache, gripe? I've been serving you, going all over the map, preaching your gospel, and this is what you let happen to me. That's what persecution is all about. Amen. But if you watch, God will take that persecution and turn around and advance the kingdom of God. 
when the apostles were spread all over creation, what did uh, you know, Stephen do? What did the rest of them do? What did Philip do? They're preaching the gospel. And the power of God, they preached Christ, and the power of God was manifesting there. Say it with me, regardless of feelings, events, or circumstances. This is where you've got to get in Ephesians. Read it and apply it. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Amen? Sing out loud. Making melody in your heart. Do that, but not with respect to how you feel or the events of the day, or the circumstances. If you do that, you will stay constantly refreshed. Paul and Silas were not in need that day of refreshing. They were walking in the refreshing of the Holy Ghost and ready for the things that attacked them and came against them. Amen? In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, Thou, o, thou art a holy old law that inhabits the praises of Israel. His holy people. Turn to somebody and say, He inhabits, he inhabits your praise. praise. He dwells there. Yes, he, does. he abides there. Yes. He does not abide in your negativity and your belly aching and your complaining. Right. He abides in what? Praise your praise. Say, He is attracted, he is attracted to, my to my praise. You got to get this. I can't give you revelation. All I can give you is the teaching. God, the Holy Spirit, is attracted to your praise. He's attracted to your praise and brings with him his goodness and his power. Amen. Amen. The last part of that phrase is very simple. That you and I are called to offer thanksgiving continually. Amen. Uh, do you know that thanksgiving is a pathway to refreshing in your heart? If I'm not giving thanks, I'm what? I'm complaining. Thanking Him, honoring your Father by thanking Him for everything and doing this continually. Say it with me, Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, amen, singing out loud, making melody in my heart and thanking God. What do you have there? A recipe to be renewed and refreshed Every single day. Yes. Yes. Now, is there anybody in here that can't do that? No, it's not about can't. Some, it can be about I didn't know that or I didn't have full revelation on that. But it's not I can't. And once you have revelation, it's I won't. Or it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. Amen. Those guys within, between Acts chapter 2 and Acts 4.31 are already being refilled. That's the example for you and for me. Hebrews 13, 15, through him, let us continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of lips. Amen. That give thanks in what? In his name. Say, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. is part of the recipe, of the recipe. For, being for being refreshed in my heart, in my heart. every single day. Isaiah 44, verse 3, uh, from the English Standard Version, God is the refresher and provides nourishment by pouring out His Spirit on us. The Holy Spirit is able to fill up your hungry and dry hearts. When our souls are refreshed, it's like water is being poured onto a thirsty land. Couldn't be a planter, could it, church? This is how refreshing comes to you. A people who are actively refreshed by the Spirit are less likely to be deceived 
or demonized. You're either refreshing or defreshing. Amen? Turn to somebody and tell them, freshen up. Freshen up. So look what you've got now. You've got the challenge to renew your mind. When? Every day. Every day. And the challenge to do what? Refresh the heart. When? Just when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost? Every single day. Say it will be every day, every renewing day. my mind. Renew every day, day. refreshing my, my heart. And you know, now according to you, do these, you know these things. Jesus talked about this when he was operating as a servant, washing the uh, disciples' feet. Happy are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Amen. Say it will be songs, songs. hymns, yes. spiritual songs. Singing out loud, making melody in your heart. Thanksgiving. This is how you are refreshed. Glory to God. How many could use it every single day? And here's the asterisk without respect to feelings, events, or circumstances. Say that without respect to events, feelings, or circumstances. That'll be the challenge for you. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap if you can receive that tonight.